Hi, everyone. From Impact Alpha Media, this is Returns on Investment, a show about the impact investing marketplace. Live, on tape, from New York, I'm Brian Walsh, head of impact for the financial technology company LiquidNet. Also in New York, but sadly not with me in person, is Imogen Rose Smith, a senior writer with Institutional Investor Magazine. Hello, Imogen. Hi, Brian. I'm sad not to be with you in person. You have much better snacks than we do at the AI offices. <laughs> and joining us by the magic of podcast technology uh, from California is David Bank, who is editor-in-chief of Impact Alpha. Hi, David. Hi, Brian. You guys have snacks? We have great snacks, a wide assortment of snacks. Sounds like a startup. They have frozen yogurt. Well, we also have a frozen yogurt machine, that's true, and a slushy machine, and the frozen yogurt machine actually has a toppings bar. But anyway, that's not what we're going to talk about today. On today's show, we're going to talk about the politics of impact. As we record this show, it has become fairly clear that Hillary Clinton is on track to become the next president of the United States. What will her impact agenda be? What will her historic presidency mean for those working in the impact space? If the Obama presidency brought us the White House Office of Social Innovation and support for a G7 impact investing task force, what will the second Clinton presidency bring? David, this discussion presumes a Clinton victory. Nevertheless, as we begin to imagine a Clinton presidency, how do you see her agenda taking shape, especially as it relates to the inclusive economy? Well, Brian, I'm loathe to predict anything just given how crazy this year has been. So with your with the caveat that there's a giant, you know, sort of knock on wood, let's dig into it. I think the main thing to think about is it's not really the impact economy per se, it's the economy. I mean, there's going to be huge challenges that she's going to face around uh, uh, prosperity and job creation and inclusiveness in the economy, all the kinds of things that were laid bare in this in this campaign, um, as well as, you know, the, the true effects of climate change really starting to bite and uh, crumbling infrastructure, other real things. The question really is, can the impact economy uh, develop enough to provide some new sets of solutions for those kinds of real challenges. So I don't think it's, you know, what can Hillary Clinton do for the impact economy, but what can the impact economy do for America and the world? And Imogen, uh, what, what, what's your take on this? I actually very much agree with David on that one. Yay. Um, you know, I think, <laughs> I know, <laughs> occasionally, right? I, I, I think that there is this, this strain in impact investing and in the impact dialogue that says, you know, how can, and it's an important strain, but how can government, how can we use government to put in place what we need to make impact work? And I find that a little frustrating because I feel like it should almost be the other way around. Like it should be kind of like, hi, we're the impact investing community and we're here to help. We have good solutions. We have good ideas. Here are these massive problems. How can we inject ourselves into those conversations in a helpful and constructive way instead of sort of expecting government to be the solution to the impact investing conversation when large parts of government aren't focused on that at all? They're looking at these massive issues such as climate change, such as income inequality, poverty, education. So I, I think... You know, that said, I mean, the Obama administration did a lot to forward the impact investing agenda, and you can see a fair amount of evidence that, that a Clinton administration would follow along in the same line. So some of the, the, the would-be players in a Clinton administration are very well-versed in the ideas and tenets of impact. A lot of the issues that, that Clinton has made clear she cares about, for example, women and girls, 
are something that you could expect her to continue and that have a strong impact focus. So even something like, and everyone rolls their eyes on this one, but cook stoves, right? Everyone loves a good cook stove, good impact investment conversation of like three years ago. They did a huge amount on cook stoves under Hillary Clinton. So my expectation is, is you will see a lot of that coming back. There are also some really interesting questions about what, what will Obama do post-presidency and then how will a post-presidency Obama help and forward some of those causes that are so important to the impact community. Similarly, you know, what's going to happen in Congress and are there issues and causes that potentially a divided Congress or a GOP Congress and a Democratic president can come together on to work on where impact can play a role. So prison reform is a good example. We had a, a, a story in Impact Alpha, a post from um, uh, two women, Fran Siegel, uh, who has been just left Impact Assets and is ne- the incoming director of, of a new kind of alliance called uh, the U.S. Alliance for Impact Investing. And then uh, Nancy Fund, who r- runs DBL Partners, a, a venture capital firm. And they were, it was, it was posed as a joint letter, an open letter to the two candidates before the first debate. But it basically laid out a an agenda that said, you know, there is private capital available to tackle challenges for which public money and and philanthropic money is is just not not enough, and that those challenges, in fact, are investment opportunities that could generate real you know businesses and real growth, and shouldn't both parties, um, uh, and and in fact both both candidates, you know, get behind that agenda as a you know inclusive you know sustainable prosperity agenda. Um, we didn't get any response from either of the of the candidates yet, though. Yeah, one of, one of the things, though, uh, just building on that, the U.S. Alliance for Impact Investing, you know, is the evolution of the National Advisory Board in Impact Investing. And their big report uh, was titled Private Capital, Public Good, David, as you, as you put it. And that's to kind of create a new category of capital. So you have public capital for public good. That's when we pay taxes and the government spends that money on uh, a range of services and programs and infrastructure and everything else. Then there is private capital for private good. That's when we invest money in companies and, and, and other projects to create a financial return for ourselves. Then there's private capital for public good, which is philanthropic giving. And now impact investing is private capital for both public good and private good, uh, because it is private money coming from individuals uh, and it is intended to generate a financial return for those individuals, but it's also trying to generate uh, actual public good that's measurable in some way, some kind of social and environmental benefit. And one of one of the issues that I see uh, perhaps forthcoming as impact investing becomes more f- mainstream and becomes uh, be- becomes more in the public eye and gets more uh, mainstream attention, I think I think this this focus on what is the public good. And what is the trade-off between public good and private benefit that comes from this deployment of private capital? And I do see the potential for um, a backlash of sorts uh, if if this isn't if this isn't uh, really thought through in a careful way about how do we package this, how do we present this, how do we measure this, how do we tell the story of this private capital that is have that has this dual mandate that you know the public good and the private the private gain. 
Well, this is the this is the theme that was sort of running through some of the uh, documents and transcripts that came out of uh, the, the WikiLeaks uh, hack of of John Podesta and, and brought forth the you know the famous Goldman Sachs speeches and things that Hillary was was leading. And in fact, she's sort of articulating just what you just what you said, Brian, um, in a in a in a sort of broader broader way. And you're absolutely right; it will it will get a backlash, and we will have to engage whether you know Wall Street has a role to play in this new movement of of private capital for public good. But it's also interesting, obviously, that you, that, that you frame it as individuals because it's the, the point again, which we talk about a, lo- a lot, is that it can't just be individuals, right? It has to be individuals, it has to be institutions, it has to be all different type of cap- types of capital that that play a role in building sort of a a good society and a good, thriving, sustainable economy. Clinton presents a real conundrum there because. You know, she was has been always, ironically, in some ways, much closer to Wall Street than Obama was, right? The Clintons are sort of well known for that, and that's where her sort of the sense that she is being two-faced comes from. On the other hand, the sort of the Elizabeth Warren school of sort of anti-banking popularism has been quite dominant in terms of sort of how the SEC has framed itself how the Obama administration has considered some of the sort of financial legislation. The question is, you know, is is that, you know, the, the fear is from the right or the sort of centrist right is that that is going to be the quid pro quo that Clinton does going into office. Does she really do that? Or if she tacks right, which is what the fear of the left is, you know, does impact in some way play a role in threading between these two narratives? I don't know that it's strong enough to do that, but that would be a very interesting place for it to play. It certainly is a, a, a it's sort of a branding challenge, as, as as you guys are pointing out. I mean, the reflexive backlash will be, you know, this is just another giveaway or subsidy or special favors for, you know, you know, big donors, Wall Street bankers. That's the easy political card to play. I think you could play it from the left or the right at this point. Um, and, uh, you know, there will undoubtedly be those kinds of, of deals cut. And the, the bigger question, though, is, you know, what's the end game for actually turning the economy around such that we get all investment flowing towards the kinds of things we want to see in the world, which is, you know, better jobs, you know, greener energy, you know, uh, schools that work, you know, families that that can make a living and um, not just have that be seen as a sort of either, you know, government safety net question or just, a, you know, charity question, but actually be seen as, you know, the real workings of, of the economy. And when that happens, yes, there will be banks and, and, and bankers and Wall Street will, will, will be on board. And, you know, that, that presumably will be a good thing if we get it all moving in the right direction. But, David, just to pick up on Imogen's earlier point about President Obama, as he leaves office, I think that it's uh, widely believed that he will somehow engage in impact investing. I don't think that's been explicitly stated, but I think that there's a lot of people that believe that through his foundation or through his next role, uh, he will somehow be engaged in this world. Uh, if you look at uh, former Massachusetts Governor Deval Patrick, who is now with Bain, helping launch their impact investing uh, fund vehicle, uh, you could see something within uh, Obama's portfolio of post-presidential activities, uh, him being somehow engaged in this space. Do you think that he could therefore be a useful advocate for or champion of this approach? And, and also be able to broaden the base of support for this approach? 
I don't think you could have a, a better advocate for this approach. I think he's the ideal guy. He's said, you know, in various contexts that he's enamored of the kind of approach that venture capitalists take and around science and technology and solutions. And it gets him gets him excited when he when he sits down with those guys. So, yeah, there's a lot of signals like that. The other thing is in his administration, um, this agenda, even though, you know, those sort of wonky um, s small steps that the policy types have been pushing for has gone way faster than many people expected. So there was uh, a, a ruling from the Labor Department uh, around pension funds. Um, there was, you know, various IRS rulings that, that opened up, you know, so the foundation um, opportunities for impact investing. So a lot has been done in the Obama mission, just in the sort of you know, mechanics of impact investing. And as you say, then what, what really needs now to happen is for this to become a, a broad a broad movement and Obama would be the perfect leader. I would be very surprised though to see him take the Deval Patrick path. Um, you know, I, I don't think that, again, unlike the sort of the, the Clintons, the Obamas don't, like, I don't see his natural home being going, hanging out with the Wall Street guys and making a lot of money. Right. I see him writing another book, making some money that way, doing some speeches, making a little money that way. But I see it most likely that he goes back to his community activist roots. Like I see more of, you know, a Jimmy Carter kind of a trajectory instead of a, a Clinton kind of a trajectory. Um, and, and there is still, I think, sort of, you know, he doesn't like hanging out with bankers or finance guys very much he has a hand there, there is a group within chicago um and elsewhere with which he is quite close somebody like john rogers of aries is a good example um so but i don't i don't see the investment side of impact investing necessarily being the natural home for him i i would think it would be more likely that it would be sort of on the, the community activism and the foundation side no he doesn't like he doesn't like finance guys but he does like innovation guys and he likes innovation both Tech, tech science innovation and social innovation and part of social innovation at this point is now financial financial innovation in terms of structuring these kinds of deals, whether it's, you know, the proverbial social impact bonds or, or other kinds of ways to, to drive capital. And he he gets the new the new drivers of value in the economy being social inclusion, being environmental sustainability. He gets that those are not costs to be borne, but but opportunities to be seized. And uh, I think, you know, when he doesn't have to fight, you know, Congress for small gains, he's going to start making go, going back, as you say, to, to to more soaring rhetoric around what what we could all do together. So I think that's right. When Obama becomes the former president Obama, that he will in some capacity be a champion for impact investing and he will be able to help amplify President Clinton's uh, efforts in this space. But back to her agenda, what do you think that that will be some of the uh, main areas that she might focus on to to bring about this inclusive co uh, economy approach? What should the people who are active in the impact space today look for under a Clinton presidency? I think, you know, the, the, the clearest example and the quickest example is, you know, is green jobs. And there's sort of a uh, been a, uh, I don't know, conventional wisdom that, you know, solar jobs and wind jobs will never, you know, take the place of, of, of coal of coal jobs. And, you know, there's probably some truth to the fact that not all those coal miners will will become, you know, wind wind engineers. But um, but the number of jobs created in the renewable energy economy is is extremely impressive already and is set to, 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 to grow. And I think people should, I think she will 
promote and hopefully highlight the fact that, you know, these are the jobs of the future and there's going to be a lot of them? I mean, I think climate change is going to be a big one. I think that, you know, that, that there is, she, she has something of a mandate to do something on climate policy. So I think that that is going to be a big point. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to get beyond jobs, right? The first 100 days, it's all going to be about that. Infrastructure, job creation, spending. I think that I mean, education reform could be another one. Um, and women and girls. Um, I think there's a big. I think there's a big battle brewing over the over the so-called sharing economy. Uh, you know, and that uh, there's obviously great economic promise out of it, and many people, you know, making additional income and and whatnot. There's also huge challenges with people with no benefits, with with exploitation of you know of, of, of gig workers as as they're called, and you know some way to kind of get our hands around that and turn that. Uh, that phenomena into a into a source of, of good, well-paying jobs, um, and you know additional additional housing, not 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 subtractive housing. Um, you know, I think that's something that uh, again, some some high-level leadership could be could be useful. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Returns on Investment. Thank you, Imogen. Thank you. And thank you, David. Great to be here. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. If you really like the show, be sure to leave us a rating and a comment as it helps other people discover the show. For more on the Impact Investing Marketplace, follow us on Twitter at Impact Alpha. And check out our website, impactalpha.com, where you can also sign up for our newsletter to keep in touch. You can send any feedback or comments you have uh, by email, info at impactalpha.com. Special thanks, as always, to our technical producer, Isaac Silk. Thanks, Isaac. In New York, I'm Brian Walsh. On behalf of David Bank and Imogen Rose-Smith, Thanks so much for listening to Returns on Investment. We look forward to talking again soon.